congratulations to the seniors as well. Uh, just make sure you don't mess up and you still get to walk on uh, your actual graduation day. That doesn't come from personal experience, but I do remember in high school they threaten you, you know, like, oh, if you participate in the senior prank, you will not walk. If, uh, if you go on senior ditch day, you will not walk. Um, anyways, those are memories, I guess. Um, <laughs> Uh, I want to extend my thanks as well to, um, and just uh, my thoughts and prayers uh, with those that mourn, uh, in particular, on Memorial Day. Um, a few years ago, I was backpacking uh, by myself over Memorial Day and the following weekend. I was by myself and walking, and I ended up walking for a while with uh, a, another young man who was uh, by himself, and we were chatting, and he had served in the armed forces, and I asked him, I said, well, you know, what do you, what do you, why are you out here today? And he said, well, it's it's Memorial Day, um, and it brought to life that uh, Memorial Day is not just a holiday that we get off, but a time of reflection and deep sadness uh, for many. Unsure how to transition from that to a story about bats, and so um, I reconsider doing that on the next service, but um, <laughs> well, anyways, so here's my story, uh, because, you know, I don't preach every Sunday, and so I got to share with you my bat story. Um, when I was a young boy, uh, my mom, she would lead uh, me and my sister in our family prayers at night. And one evening, uh, I decided to not participate in the family prayers. I know, shocking. I still love the Lord, don't worry. And in fact, I'm... Well, anyways, let's start over. There's nothing, because there's nothing special about being a pastor, so I was about to say, and I'm even in ministry, but it's not like, I have no special connection with the Lord that you don't. Uh, this is just God's calling in my life, so that's a silly thing to say. All right, so let's start over. So one night, I ditched family prayers, and I went into my bedroom, and here was this bird flying around, circling uh, inside my room. And so I came out, and I talked to my mom. I said, Mom, there's a bird flying in my room. And she said, no, there's not. Go back to bed. So I went back to bed, and there's this bird circling in my room, circling and making circles in my room. And so I come back out, and I said, Mom, there's a bird still circling in my room. She said, oh, fine. She comes in. And it was a bat. It was a bat. It was flying in my room. Now, if you talk to my mom after service, my dad used to have a saying of, uh, don't let truth get in the way of a good story. So if this isn't exactly how it happened, don't hold me to that, but... The moral of the story is don't ditch out on family prayers, otherwise the Lord will send a bat into your room. <laughs> so we didn't have a colony of bats, but we did have a family of bats living in our room. And then this morning, uh, not to, uh, this is a long detour, but uh, my mom gave me a pair of socks. I'm not sure if you can see them, but I like the little cape. Yeah, can you guys see them? All right. They're Batman socks, in case you have terrible eyes like I do. All right, let's, can we pray again? Because this is a lot of weird stuff. Father, thank you so much uh, for levity of life. Um, God, thank you that uh, we can laugh, even though it's uh, pretty inconvenient uh, that the worship center is unavailable. Um, God, we thank you for your word uh, to which we turn, and we ask, God, that you would illuminate your, our hearts and our minds this morning. In your son's name we pray, amen. 
So this morning we're going to look at, uh, we're going to continue to look at the story of Lazarus, uh, but I want us to keep uh, one question in mind before we begin reading, and that is, why did Lazarus have to die? Why did Lazarus have to die? So would you read with me John chapter 11, starting in verse 1. Now a man named Lazarus was sick. He was from Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. This Mary, whose brother Lazarus now lay sick, was the same one who poured perfume on the Lord and wiped his feet with her hair. So the sister sent word to Jesus, Lord, the one who you love is sick. When his disciples heard this, Jesus said, this sickness will not end in death, no. It's for God's glory so that God's son may be glorified through it. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed where he was two more days. And then he said to his disciples, let us go back to Judea. But Rabbi, they said, a short while ago, the Jews there tried to stone you. And yet you're going back? Jesus answered them, are there not 12 hours of daylight? Anyone who walks in the daytime will not stumble, for they see by this world's light. It is when a person walks at night that they stumble, for they have no light. After he said this, he went on to tell them, Our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I am going there to wake him up. His disciples replied, Lord, if he sleeps, he'll get better. Jesus had been speaking of his death, but his disciples thought he meant natural sleep. So then he told them plainly, Lazarus is dead. For your sake, I am glad I was not there, so that you may believe. But let us go to him. Then Thomas, also known as Didymus, said to the rest of, his, of the disciples, Let us go, that we may die with him. And so as we consider the question, why did Lazarus has, have to die? In the text, we get two answers, really two, two answers. A one, so that the Son of God would be glorified, and two, that they may believe. So that's the sermon. You got the answer. There it is. That's it. Just kidding. I mean, that is it, but th- those are the reasons that Lazarus had to die. But so what, what glory does God receive in the dying? And what does it mean to believe? And how can we believe better? And so as we consider those answers that, that the Son of God would receive glory and that uh, we might believe, as well as his disciples who were listening, I want us to consider two other questions. What does it mean to fall asleep? And what does it mean to die? What does it mean to fall asleep? And what does it mean to die? Um, This morning we're going to look at, we're going to continue to look at this question of Lazarus's sleep. And we see in um, in this passage that as Jesus goes to wake him, Waking him from death is the same as waking him up from sleep. It's the same, it requires the same amount of strength and action for Jesus to wake Lazarus up as if he was waking him from a sleep. Have you ever been asked to wake somebody up from a nap or uh, from a sleep? My college roommate one time asked me to wake him up from a nap because he had class. And I woke him up, and he said by any means necessary... But he didn't totally appreciate the way in which I did it. It's easy to wake somebody up. 
And this is the same strength of action that it took Jesus to wake Lazarus up as it does to awaken him from the dead. As it does to awaken him from the dead. But Jesus wasn't talking about waking him up from a nap or from a deep sleep. He was talking about waking him up from death. As we'll see in a moment, uh, this, this idea of uh, sleep and death is kind of this, is synonymous. And, and we see it even today. We talk about um, going to sleep or putting our, our dogs to sleep. Um, we soften that phrase of death. And yet in this passage, we see that Lazarus died. And Jesus softens this phrase and he says that uh, he's asleep. So what does it mean to die? What does it mean to die? That's a weird question, right? That's a weird thing to ask on a Sunday morning. We're here to celebrate, right? Not mourn. But we'll see where that takes us. Uh, We see that afterlife has always been present throughout culture and throughout life. Um, As you think about the great works of fiction that you've read, um, there's always seems to be an element of that death is not the end of the story. As you think about cultures that go back far and far and far, back both to the Hebrew people and um, back to other pagan cultures as well. Death in an afterlife is always a part of what's happening. Death in the Old Testament in the nation of Israel, it was all about what was achieved on, on this earth, achieved here and now. The nation of Israel was chiefly concerned with justice, prosperity, and honor achieved in the life of this world. It kind of sounds similar to today, right? That we're all about what we can achieve in this world. That we're all about the the blessings of this life. But we as Christians are taught to look forward, to look beyond this life. That life holds more meaning than just what's here. Certainly the Hebrew people had glimpses of that, but uh, chiefly they were concerned with uh, God's blessing them here. They were concerned with obeying the law, Uh, They were concerned with uh, 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 conquering the land that God had given them. And they were concerned with being a people that was set apart for God. And so for them, the afterlife wasn't as clear of a picture. Uh, For them, it was all about the blessings achieved here on this earth. We see in Genesis 12, verses 1 through 3, Now the Lord had said to Abram, Go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse, and all the people on earth will be blessed through you. We can see with the nation of Israel that it is concerned chiefly about what happens here. The death is a continuation of the journey, but what happens after death is a little bit unclear, not as not as focused as we see it today. Uh, They wanted to achieve the blessings of this life. They wanted to have their people continue. But we see glimpses uh, within the scriptures of God indicating that he is 
the God of the living and the dead, that, he, that creation doesn't end at death. We see in Psalm 139 in verse 8, uh, David is proclaiming, If I go up to the heavens, you are there. If I make my bed in the depths, you are there. Meaning that I can't escape God. God is inescapable. He's everywhere. Whether in life or in death, God is here and present. He's everywhere. So death is not an escape from God, and it's not a place where God does not exist. God has created everything, and he holds it and sustains it. In Isaiah 26, uh, the prophet writes, But your dead will live, Lord. Their bodies will rise. Let those who dwell in the dust wake up and shout for joy. Your dew is like the dew of the morning. The earth will give birth to her dead. So we see a promise that life continues, uh, that this isn't it. So we see the nation of Israel is focused on the here and now, and yet also their minds are directed a little bit forward. And this picture of death and dying gets clearer and clearer as God continues to reveal himself in the scriptures. So we see that they were concerned with justice, prosperity, and honor. And then with the advent of Jesus and with uh, the reality of who God is and who he came to be, uh, we see that the afterlife in the New Testament takes on an even clearer picture. We see in the New Testament a constant uh, uh, use of this term, sleep for death. Uh, we see it uh, throughout a lot of passages that really talk a lot about death. Uh, in 1 Corinthians 15, uh, a passage that talks about the implications of Jesus Christ raising from the dead. Uh, we see Paul talking about uh, saints that have gone to sleep and being raised with him. We see it also in 1 Thessalonians uh, as Paul talks about the return of Christ, uh, that those who have passed away, he said, have fallen asleep. The use of falling asleep brings to mind, like, I know at least when I fall asleep, I, f I have great peace and comfort and um, just everything stops. I mean, literally everything stops unless you're dreaming. Um, and so as we think about death, we know that this use of falling asleep is being used for a purpose, that death can be a time of peace, that death can, death can be a time of tranquility, of uh, everything coming to place. In the New Testament, we learn a number of things concerning death and dying, uh, and this, this morning we're only going to look at two things. Uh, but the first is that life continues after death for both the righteous and the wicked. Uh, we know that uh, both from the Old Testament and the New and just from Scripture that uh, we can't ever escape God. Uh, just, like that Psalm, just like David said in Psalm 139, uh, we can't go so high and we can't go so low. Uh, we can't run away from Him. And we get that picture too in, in the parable of the, the, uh, the, the prodigal son who comes back can't ever escape his father. He comes back. God is always there, present with us. We see in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, 
Paul writes, brothers and sisters, we do not want you to be uninformed about those who sleep in death so that you, you do not grieve like the rest of mankind who have no hope. For we believe that Jesus died and rose again, and so we believe that God will bring with Jesus those who have fallen asleep in him. We know that Jesus died and rose again, and so we believe that God will bring with Jesus those who have fallen asleep in him. We know that death is not the end, both for the righteous and for the wicked. And we see another truth uh, in 1 Corinthians 15, that Jesus is the first fruits of the resurrection. Then when we die, we don't die. And we continue on because of God's sustaining power. And in fact, we have a front runner, one that went before us and one that ushered in everything for us, Jesus Christ. He is our first fruit. And we see in 1 Corinthians 15, verse 20, but Christ has indeed been raised from the dead the firstfruits of those who have fallen asleep. For since death came through a man, the resurrection of the dead also comes through a man. For in Adam all die, so in Christ all will be made alive. Not only are we promised that life doesn't stop at death, but we're promised that Jesus Christ went before us to model what it what will happen to us uh, because he is the power through which we do not die. We place our faith and our hope in him. So back to Lazarus. Uh, Why did he die? Uh, He died to bring glory to God and he died so that we might believe. Um. And I think this morning as I was studying this passage, I was encouraged. Well, I wasn't studying it just this morning. I was studying it uh, throughout the whole week. Um, Thank you for laughing. Uh, (laughs) I was encouraged by looking at this passage about like, I was asking the Lord like, what? What am I supposed to believe in light of this passage? How can I believe in God better? And, what, and in what ways ought God to receive more glory because of this passage? Uh, certainly in the moment, we can see in the story of Lazarus where God receives glory. I mean, can you imagine being uh, Lazarus and uh, having, or not being, well, yeah, being Lazarus and being raised from the dead, but being his family and friends to see him come back after mourning? But two, I was encouraged by, by the Lord giving uh, me, by giving me faith in the midst of sometimes a doubt. Uh, one of my greatest doubts that I, that I uh, often offer to the Lord and, and ask him to fill and, and that I just struggle with is, is what happens after I die? Um, what happens after I die? Death is a... Death is a scary thing to me. But as I think about, or as I read this passage and I was thinking about God's promise through Scripture, I was encouraged that death is not a scary thing. And that death, that what happens after I die or what happens after anybody dies, we have promised to us. 
not just because of Scripture, but because of this, this inward call that God has placed on our life that this, this is not it. This is not all that we've been made for. God has made us for eternity, not just the hundred years or however old you want to live to be uh, on this earth. God has made us for more. God has made us as eternal beings. And so what is the hope of God? The hope of God is rested in the fact that Jesus has defeated death. And that if I'm ever scared of death, I can remember that Jesus defeated it. That it has no power anymore. That not only that was I created to be an eternal being, but that I can have promise in that, that I was made in the image of God and that I'm an eternal being, but also that I don't have to trip or worry about what happens when I die because Jesus has defeated death. Secondly, I can have hope because I go to be with God forever, forever and ever. I don't go to one place and then have to earn my way there. No, God has promised that I will be with him forever. And thirdly, that God is omnibenevolent. Now, I know that's a big word, but I'll explain it, I promise. Uh, Omnibenevolence is just a, a very technical way to say that God is always and only good. He is always and only good. He only does good things. And everything that is good is preserved within him because he is the author and creator of everything good. Have you ever heard that, that challenging question that um, if you died and went to be with the Lord and he was the only thing that was there, would you be satisfied? And I hope we would be. I hope we would be because God is the author of everything good. He's made everything good. So everything bad within me will be purged away and everything good within me will be retained. I don't have to worry about the fallenness of my person or the brokenness of this earth continuing on. I know that satisfaction will remain in him because he is the author of everything good. Uh, there's a book. It's called, uh, now check this title out, The God of Hope and the End of the World. That's a pretty big title, right? And it's, it's by this author named John Polkinghorne, and he writes, uh, he writes from a, a, a perspective of looking at the end of the world through the, the, the aid of both theology and working that theology out in the world. And he writes, uh, we do not need to suppose that being held in the mind of God is, purely, is a purely passive kind of preservation, and what we can read from that is, no, God is actively sustaining us because he's an active and working God. We may expect that God's love will be at work through the respectful but powerful operation of divine grace, purifying and transforming the souls, awaiting resurrection in ways that respect their integrity. Ultimately, what has been lost will be restored, and what of good was never gained will be bestowed. That last sentence is what gets me. 
is that at the end of everything, when we go to be with the Lord, all that is good that has been lost will be restored. And all that's never gained that's good will be given, will be bestowed. The fact that God is redemptively working everything into a narrative that uh, brings everything back into the, the way that he wants it to be, into the goodness that he created us for. That great promise that God is the author of all things good. So what awaits us at the end of everything is goodness. And what hope and promise we have is sustained and held up in who God is and in his character. So I return uh, to these three questions. Uh, the questions in this passage. Uh, what does it mean to fall asleep? Well, uh, to fall asleep means to die. So what does it mean to die? Well, we're created as eternal beings, beings that have no end. God sustains both the righteous and the wicked. And yet the promise that we have is upheld because Christ is the first fruits. Why did Lazarus have to die? He died to bring glory to God, bring glory to the Son of God. That Christ's power would be made manifest both through Lazarus and that we would see it being made manifest through us today in the promises of Jesus. And that we would believe. And I hope this morning that, that you would believe with me that uh, death is not a scary thing. That God has had victory over death and he continues to have victory over death. And that by his power he, he sustains us and sustains everything in this world. And that we have eternal peace with him. Now would you pray with me? Father, we thank you for your promises. God, we thank you that you are the author of everything good. God, we thank you that we don't have to fear death, but that you've created us to be eternal beings. God, we thank you that you sustain us, and you give us life and life eternal. So God, may our hope be rooted in you and may we know you for all you are. In your son's name we pray, amen.